Jose Munoz, the chief performance officer at Nissan, was chosen by the SAE Foundation for its Leadership of the Year Award. Munoz is a big supporter of the foundation's STEM educational efforts, and in today's show, he talks about his support for STEM, as well as the auto industry's move into electrification, autonomy, and mobility services. Coming to you from the Masonic Temple in Detroit, Michigan, this is AutoLine This Week. And now, here's your host, John McElroy. I want to thank you for joining us on AutoLine this week. We've got a very special show going today. We're at the dinner for the SAE Foundation, which gets together every year and awards an executive in the automotive industry for leadership. And this year's award honoree is Jose Munoz from the Nissan Corporation. In fact, specifically the chief performance officer for Nissan. Jose, great to have you here. Uh, thank you for having me, John. It's a real honor for me. So, Jose, i got to start off by asking you, I've heard of chief executive officers, chief operating officers, chief off, uh, financial officers. I've never heard of the term chief performance officer. <laughs> what exactly does that mean? Well, it means I'm responsible for uh, the operations of Nissan worldwide. So when things uh, uh, go wrong, it's my fault. <laughs> And when, when things go right, it's somebody else's credit. So I, I'm in charge of all the, um, uh, the entire globe operations and uh, also the business units like global sales and marketing, like commercial vehicles, uh, and, um, uh, well, everything that has to do with the brands that we have, like Infinity or Datsun. So, and performance, it, you're not talking about the performance of the engines, you're talking about the, the business performance I'm of the company. I'm talking about the, the revenue and the profit of the company, that's right. There you go. You've just been handed a major promotion as well within Nissan as the chairman of the management committee for China. Will you be relocating to China? How's this going <laughs> to change what you're doing? Well, uh, it only changes in the sense that now I spend a little bit more time uh, in China. Actually, if you ask me where are you based, it's difficult to say, but officially I'm based in Tokyo. Uh, this is where I live. The company is based in Yokohama, and I travel around the globe uh, every month. So you will see me maybe a few days here, then next week I'll be in Europe, last week I was in China, the previous week in Japan, that's how it goes. Right, and I'd like to get into more of that uh, as we get into this interview here. I and as was mentioned earlier in the program, you've got a doctorate degree in nuclear engineering. Whatever attracted you to work in the automotive industry in the first place? <laughs> it, was, um, uh, it was love. Uh, that was the, the short answer. So I was uh, a very happy engineer working in the nuclear industry and in aerospace. And after commuting for many years uh, from where I, my family and I lived uh, outside of Madrid to downtown Madrid, I decided that I needed a car. So a good friend of mine uh, said, well, I'm going to recommend you a great dealer. And I said, okay, let, let's go and visit. And I ended up uh, uh, marrying the owner of the dealership, which, uh, which is still my, my wife. We just celebrated a couple of weeks ago our 25th uh, wedding anniversary. Congratulations. That's great. So that's how I made it. Love. And uh, what is it about the automotive industry that attracts you? Well, everything. I mean, the moment you get into this industry, you get attracted because uh, this is the, I would say, the most advanced industry in the world. Uh, you can see today with the evolution of the uh, electric vehicles, connected vehicles, autonomous driving, uh, the conjunction of all the most advanced technologies in a, a mass-produced vehicle is quite a big challenge. And you think about it, 
a lot of um, uh, companies uh, are able to develop prototypes or a short a number of units of certain product. But when you're talking about producing millions of millions of vehicles uh, that all have to be uh, perfect and they assemble uh, so many different uh, technologies from so many different suppliers, it's a great challenge and uh, you have to be constantly updated. This is a big challenge and something that I really love. The challenge is what it really Absolutely. attracts you to it. Let's talk a little bit about uh, the SAE Foundation. As you know, uh, it's honoring you for your leadership in the automotive industry and supporting their educational programs, the World in Motion and the Collegiate Design Series. What's your attraction to this? Why are you involved? Well, when I see what the SAE Foundation is doing, and the, more importantly, when you interact with the kids and then you see the excitement how they get in touch with the, uh, with the engineering in a pragmatic way, not in a theoretical way, which sometimes you go through when you are in some schools. This is really very encouraging. And I can tell you that uh, when I have had the chance to interact with the kids uh, here today and uh, all the other days previously in some schools, this really brings you uh, back to your roots and then you realize you're doing something good for the society, for these kids. And one of my most rewarding moments, uh, uh, apart from seeing uh, my best friends uh, here with, uh, with us tonight and with you, is when one of the uh, parents of one of these kids came to, to say thank you for what the, your company is doing for my kid. And uh, I, I think this is really uh, very, very nice. And I'm very happy that our company has been a sponsor for more than 10 years now, more than $2.5 million. And um, I think this tells a lot about Nissan. It does. The auto industry, though, as you know, faces a critical shortage of skilled talent at all levels right now. What do you think the industry needs to do to bring new talent in? Well, uh, I think uh, all we need to do is to uh, try to uh, show very clearly to, uh, to the entire world all the technologies uh, that uh, the automotive industry is bringing. So you're talking about uh, telecommunications, you're talking about me mechanical engineer, you're talking about new propulsion like uh, you know, electric vehicles or in the future uh, probably uh, fuel cells, etc. We're talking about new materials, uh, composite materials, uh, aluminum, cobalt for, for the batteries, or lithium, you know, it's so many things that uh, allow uh, a lot of people coming from different areas of science to work together. So I think when you present this this way, I think that's very attractive. The other way to put it is uh, by showing the benefit for the customer. You know, the possibility that anyone, uh, thanks to our industry, have uh, today uh, with the new technologies to move from A to B. Uh, not only by driving yourself, but uh, maybe perhaps by being driven uh, autonomously or by doing something else in the vehicle. So all these uh, things in your head, I think we are uh, making a revolution, uh, not only in the industry, but in the way we're living. Jose, we're very aware of the shortage that's in the United States. You travel all around the world. Is this a global problem? Well, uh, I would say almost um, uh, yes, but I would say probably there is more of a problem uh, here than in other, in other countries. What we need to do is to promote and to uh, identify new ways to bring uh, engineering uh, into uh, our lives. Uh, a little bit um, when you talk to, uh, to kids or some uh, maybe all the gener generations, they see engineering like it's very tough, you need to study very hard, etc., etc. But in reality, when you get to understand uh, the added value that you bring to the society, 
uh, then it does not become a job. So it's your passion, it's uh, you really love, it's a way of living. And I think that that's the way we need to uh, come across. I would imagine today, with so much going on from a technological standpoint, electrification, autonomy, mobility services, that it's going to be more appealing to a younger generation than how they might have perceived the industry in the past. Well, uh, absolutely. Uh, I mean, nowadays, uh, the, um, the vehicles are devices, are mobile, <laughs> mobile devices. There, is a, there has been a revolution uh, uh, these days, and then uh, I think it's a, a similar revolution to the one we saw when the older uh, telephones uh, that have a, had a cable or even the Motorola ones were just simply tools to communicate with each other versus today's phones, which are little computers that you have with you. So I think a vehicle today has got so much in it in terms of technology. It allows you to do so much in it, including uh, moving from one place to another, that I think you got the solution to your problem. So this is really a device. It's your personal device. I'd like to ask you specifically some of these technologies and get your viewpoints on it. And let's start with electrification. Mm -hmm. Nissan's made a very big commitment to it. Right now, the market's small, but how do you see it developing over time? Well, first of all, I think we need to give credit to our chairman of the Renault-Nissan-Mitsubishi Alliance, Carlos Ghosn, because he was a visionary. And when a lot of people were making projections and, and talking about it, etc., he just did it. He just did it. And uh, about uh, 10 years ago, he put in the market uh, the first uh, full electric vehicle mass market uh, produce called so-called LEAF. LEAF is the number one sold uh, electric vehicle in the world with more than 250,000. And the Alliance is the number one uh, corporation in the world selling uh, pure electric vehicles more than 500,000. It's not all the brands that have a lot of um, uh, fashionable uh, activities, etc. It's uh, the Renault, Nissan, Mitsubishi uh, Alliance. So we were uh, really pioneers. And we have changed the way the business uh, goes. So uh, you really have to be bold to invest 4 billion euro in a technology that most people uh, don't believe in. Uh, you really think this is it and you're going to do it and then uh, convince your stakeholders and your employees and everybody else and get it done. And it was the right solution. Now nobody argues that this is the right uh, today solution. People think about maybe in 20 years, 25 years from now, maybe the fuel cells will be the right technology. But today, electrification is the right one. Now, as you said, the level of introduction of electrification uh, is different by, uh, by country. But when you uh, really see the combination of uh, the regulation uh, that is happening everywhere, uh, and particularly in the main markets, now the number one market in, in the world, uh, as we know, with about 28 million cars, is China. And when you go to China, you realize the problems that they, that they have in terms of the environment. And you see that they've changed the regulation and they are promoting uh, the EV technology. And even you see that they've changed completely the legal environment in the sense that, as you know, before it was mandatory to have a joint venture partner to operate in China. But for electric vehicles, they've decided that it is no, not anymore needed. You realize that the potential is huge. We have presented uh, just a few weeks ago in uh, Beijing Motor Show uh, our strategy. We call it the triple one within the MOVE 2022 midterm plan, uh, which is the, the global plan. And the Chinese uh, strategy is about uh, being leaders in electrification. 20 out of 40 cars that we're going to introduce from now through to 2022 are going to be electrified. 
either pure EV or a, what we call e-power, which is a technology which has allowed Nissan to become leader in the number one segment in Japan for the first time ever with the Note e-power. So it's happening, it's happening everywhere, but then you have another element, not only the regulation, which is the driving pleasure. When you drive an uh, electric vehicle, you realize uh, it is fun. So the equivalent to the torque, the acceleration, uh, the driving uh, dynamics, they're different, they're more exciting, and that's why we also decided to uh, uh, go and compete in the so-called Formula E, so uh, starting this season. So I, I think it's, uh, it's a given. We're gonna see a significant demand. Many OEMs, I would say all OEMs have announced their plans. There are some OEMs who have already made commitments on the, the amounts of lithium that they're going to buy uh, to ensure they have supply for the future, etc. Yeah, I would agree with you. The driving experience in an electric car is terrific, very pleasant. I mean, it's, you, can, you cannot believe it. I mean, uh, you get into a Leaf and then you think you're in a Formula One car. <laughs> We're seeing a lot of tech companies, startups, and even a lot of uh, uh, automakers investing in autonomous cars. How do you think that's going to develop? I think that this is uh, also a, a, an activity and a, an area of the technology which is going to develop. Uh, and then whilst in the electric uh, vehicle uh, technology, uh, we are uh, having the, I would say, the regulator as the number one uh, driver. When it comes to autonomous, <clears throat> it is purely uh, the added value to the consumer. When you think about it, when you are in any of the big cities in the US or outside, and you think that uh, you have to put all the attention to really uh, you know, drive, and if you have one of these technologies, you, you have uh, the ability to decide if you want to drive and put all the attention, all your senses uh, on the driving experience, or you want to read, or you want to send an email, or you want to do something else, uh, I think you realize that uh, this is a technology which is going to uh, be very, very rooted in the, in the uh, consumption and in the automotive industry. There are some voices that say, you know, because uh, there's been <clears throat> one accident or an incident that um, this is not going to be, uh, uh, you know, sustainable because of those accidents. But when you look at it, out of the, I think, uh, uh, about 1.4 million accidents that you have uh, on a given year, uh, about 90% of those are driven by uh, human errors. So when you have machines uh, uh, driving uh, the vehicle, the number of uh, fatalities, the number of accidents uh, is going to be significantly reduced. That's why in our company, Nissan, uh, we have a zero fatality uh, and zero emissions have two, as two of the key pillars of our plan. Mm -hmm. Some people say autonomous cars are a long way away. Others say, no, it's a whole lot sooner than you think. What do you think? Well, I think uh, they're really uh, sooner than we think. And uh, I think that as everything, uh, we're going to see different stages of introduction. Uh, today, on the road, we already have vehicles which have certain level of uh, autonomous driving capabilities. You know, uh, when you go into uh, what we call the propilot. Uh, Nissan, uh, as we have been pioneers on electrification, we, we are pioneers on uh, also autonomous driving, and what we call the propilot assist, which is called in other, in other countries 
ProPilot, we put in the, in the market more than 70,000 uh, of, of those uh, uh, vehicles with technology, for example, in Japan with the Serena ProPilot. And here in the States, we've launched uh, with the uh, current generation Rogue and also with the newly launched uh, Leaf. So it's on the road. Now, uh, if you go into uh, any of the prototypes that we have uh, around uh, Silicon Valley, where we have our R&D uh, center for this type of technology, you realize the car is able to do way more than what we are selling today. So after the proper testing and after the regulation, we're ready to go in multi-lane or even in city driving, etc. Ride sharing, car sharing, on-demand shuttles, this whole move to mobility services looks like it could be very disruptive to the automotive industry. Some are even talking about maybe people will give up owning cars. How do you see it? Well, the way we see it is that uh, obviously uh, if you go into other industries, you go, for example, into housing, uh, hotel, uh, etc. Uh, a little bit what is happening in our industry in automotive is things that have happened for many, many, many years and we've seen as very natural in other industries. You own a house, uh, right? And some people own a second house for vacation. Others, uh, then they want to go to a third place and they go to a hotel. <clears throat> and then when they go to work, uh, they go to another hotel or they share a house with some of the uh, apps and the services that you can find there. In terms of uh, uh, the, the vehicles, it's exactly the same concept. So you may own a car uh, here if you're from Detroit, but then you may need uh, shared services when you go down to Nashville, where we have our headquarters. Uh, and uh, still, when you go on vacation, you want to have a different type of service. So I think it's natural. We don't see this as something which is going to uh, prevent uh, the ownership. It's going to change the, the industry. But uh, we need to be there. We believe when you do the numbers, this is a great business. It's an even better business opportunity. And still producing good quality cars, a good competitive cost with the best technology is going to be uh, the door to make a lot of money in these businesses. We've created a business unit within the Alliance, <coughs> which is meant to develop all these services. And we're very excited to see that there are many opportunities uh, in main markets, namely in the US, but also in China. Do you think that people might give up their ownership of cars, not buy cars, and buy their mobility instead on an as-needed basis? Some, some people may do that, and some others may have a combination, as, as mentioned. So I say, well, I want to have my car when I leave to go to work. I want to have uh, the rights to utilize the shared services uh, in a third place when I'm traveling, uh, for example. So wh why not? Uh, and maybe some people will decide, I don't need a car anymore. But it depends on how you use it. For example, I see the car is something which is very personal. Uh, I take, uh, if I take uh, the similarity of uh, the car with uh, my, my phone, I want to own my phone. <clears throat> I could maybe share it with somebody else, but I got my, my pictures, my data, I don't want to share it with anybody else. Yet, when I go to another country, I get a spare phone because I want to be connected, but it's not mine. So I see many, many uh, reasons why we can still have the traditional ownership, the shared mobility, etc. So as we move into this world of electrified, autonomous, connected, uh, shared, uh, you touched on Nissan's preparing for it. Can you give us a little bit more specifics? Well, in, in our case, uh, we have presented uh, our current meeting plan, so-called MOVE 2022. And then uh, within uh, that plan, uh, being a technology leader, uh, it is a key uh, foundation 
of uh, the company. In that sense, uh, we have defined uh, three uh, key pillars, so the electrification, autonomous driving, and connectivity, and we are working with a, a lot of confidence on all these uh, three uh, levers. And I would like to say that uh, the LEAF, which uh, was the first EV, is the one that is bringing uh, all that in once. It's, it's our, uh, I would say, flagship in terms of bringing all, all the technology. You're gonna see many more uh, EV cars developed by our company and by the Alliance that are gonna bring all these elements uh, together. So we want to be leaders uh, in mobility. We've also created within the Alliance this company to take advantage of the shared mobility services. So I think we are really well prepared. We have a good, good strategy, very solid. We've shown, we've been pioneers. We are still pioneers on electric vehicles. Uh, we wanna be pioneers uh, also on autonomous driving and in connected vehicles. How do you see this developing on a global basis? Europe, North America, or the Americas, Asia? Do you see it sort of evolving at the same rate, or will it be different? <clears throat> well, my, my uh, perception is uh, uh, the US started first, uh, but the Chinese are uh, getting much faster. They are very fast on getting new concepts. Uh, the, the Chinese consumer is very eager to get new stuff. And then uh, to your point about the shared mobility, if you go to Beijing or you go to Shanghai, you will see that these guys have been practicing for years already with bikes. So everybody is riding a bicycle. And then the bicycles that they, they utilize, they are utilized by maybe five minutes, 10 minutes. They don't need to drop them off in a particular place. They just drop them wherever they like. They just grab them wherever they like. They pay peanuts with an app that they have in their phone. So this is already existing. They embrace the new concept, the new technology, and they, and they need it. So, uh, and I think that, uh, as you know now, Europe is going through the diesel uh, gate uh, type of situation that uh, will <clears throat> define if Europe is gonna be also part of the future of the automotive industry or not, but they will have to make uh, strong decisions there. So definitely, the, uh, also the Chinese government has taken very clear stance in terms of supporting EV technology, uh, and I think this is demonstrating uh, that they're really uh, betting uh, for it, supporting companies, et cetera, et cetera. So I, I would say US was first, but now China is, is ahead. US is number two, and we'll see Europe. Very interesting. You travel a lot. Yep. In fact, you told me uh, before we got on here, you just got back from China. I don't yep. know how you're holding up with the jet lag. Talk, talk a little bit about that. How do you deal with that? What advice do you have for others who might want to aspire to be a top-level executive? Well, I've realized that uh, you know this is one of the key uh, characteristics or features uh, if you really want to be a global executive uh, because uh, you need to cope with sleeping very little and then yet uh, being able, <laughs> being able to, uh, to have uh, clear ideas, etc. I call it uh, to my colleagues, uh, sleeping fast is one of my characteristics. I sleep fast. And the, and the faster I sleep, the faster I sleep. Uh, so I, I really, I really uh, think so. So the way to do it is you need to be extremely motivated on what you're doing because it's tough. Uh, when you uh, come from uh, China, you, you want to go to sleep and you don't want to sleep or you cannot uh, and you don't want to take uh, anything weird, you know. So you have to do it by, by motivation. I've got to say my trick is very simple. One glass of red wine and I sleep like a baby. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. Good advice. So take us out a bit into the future. You're crystal ball of the automotive industry. 20, 30 years. What keeps you motivated looking towards the future and how do you see it? 
Well, I think that uh, when you go to uh, uh, countries that people don't have the means to uh, move to, from one place to another, or you see that they are not uh, safe, and you see that bringing uh, affordable, good quality uh, mobility services or devices, you are going to improve the quality of life of uh, these people, I think you feel uh, really good. And uh, when you look at uh, the motorization ratio of different countries, there are factors of up to 10. So there are countries that, if you do, did the math, they have the ability to uh, triple or quadruple uh, or even more uh, the number of cars that they have in, in those countries. And those people, they really need it to work, they really need it to go uh, to get food, to go get water, etc. So I think this is a real a good motivation, and, and it's something that uh, I believe uh, together uh, with the support of foundations like SAE, we're going to help to make a better world for the, for the people. So you sound fairly optimistic about the future of the automotive industry. I'm very much optimistic because <clears throat> what I see is that every year the industry is growing and growing. Uh, and then, uh, again, uh, when you compare the motorization ratios, you realize that there is a huge opportunity in, in uh, entire continents. So uh, we can see more and more uh, opportunity in countries that are getting a little bit more and more mature. And then you see in countries which are more mature, like uh, the United States, that uh, new services uh, arise. So the opportunity is there. And both opportunities are good opportunities for business. So. For anybody who's young and looking at this show, there's going to be a lot of potential for them if they get involved in STEM education. I have no doubts about it. Uh, and then, uh, I mean, if uh, you come and you don't like it, uh, I guarantee you you're going to be able to work in any other uh, industry in the world because you are uh, working with all the technologies. But um, I, I think the automotive industry is like a black hole, you know? Uh, everybody that is in the industry uh, uh, sort of uh, enjoys, but also complains. It's a lot of work, a lot of uh, pressure with the margins, etc. but nobody leaves. So this is like a black hole. So. <laughs> Very good. Well, with that, we're going to wrap it up. But Jose Munoz, I've got to say congratulations for being recognized for your leadership in the automotive industry for your contribution to getting younger people involved in STEM education in, in both the high school and the collegiate level. Uh, I, I think it's terrific. So ladies and gentlemen, Jose Munoz, I want to thank you for that. Thank you. Yeah. And of course, for the television audience, I want to thank all of you for having tuned in. Thank you very much. Thank you.